Welcome to the Live 1002 podcast, where simple actions are multiplying into extraordinary impact around the world when we live Luke 10 verse 2. Joining us today from both the U.S. and Africa is Dr. Duane, with stories of how God is bringing breakthrough in the pandemic and miraculous encounters with the gospel. What I'm seeing God do at this season, I, well, here's just recently, I'll let me tell you about, I just got something from uh, Africa, one of the there, and they had uh, postings of people with masks on, and uh, they had a real small lady, and they said, in this, this is a pygmy lady, and she just came out of the forest a couple of years ago, and she's become a believer and everything like that, and so I'm now just encouraging them, I'm saying, Hey, we've got an insider on this pygmy community. Usually the pygmies in the, the jungle are nomadic. So they travel from place to place. And we've, we've never been able to put missionaries among them. But we thought, well, how in the past we had where we did uh, close nearby cultures. Because what they do is they get this wild honey. And they come and they sell it to the community. And usually somebody in that community will be that that person that they sell it to. So now this lady, she's there and she has the language and I'm saying, Hey, teach her, invest in her, all these stories. So when they come out to, to share, to sell their honey, they're going to see her and they're going to know her. They're going to speak to her. And if she knows Jesus now, she can transmit those, those stories. And besides that, we want you to see if there's a young person that could come out for a couple of months and live with her and teach them, invest in them, pour their life into them in the stories, and then take it back into the interior of the jungle. And so uh, it was all because of masks. They were out distributing masks and, and sharing the gospel at the same time. Here's something that can protect you, but using that as a bridge, well, we want to tell you about something that gives you eternal protection, you know? And so they just bridge right into that, share the gospel with people. And, and so some of these have had... Uh, been taught in sewing across Africa. They've been in the past with sewing machines, with community transformation and that kind of stuff. And so now uh, we're helping with a, a little bit, just a little bit of funds to help them with material. They're also donating material themselves. They're sewing them stuff. And then they're taking those masks and going out and sharing the gospel. And it's so cool to see someone in a mask sharing the gospel with someone else and they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then being baptized. And so that's one of the biggest things is that like, even in the midst of all of this, in into the jungles of Africa, God's reaching, even in spite of what's going on. So that's why we're uh, excited to see God just working all over right now. Amen. That's incredible. Dwayne, would you share with us a little bit of your story? Oh, my story uh, was, you know, I was, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, made a decision when I was 10 years old. I came to Christ, but then I also had a dream to be a professional football player. And I held that dream all the way into college. And I was playing football 600 miles away from home. And uh, on a Sunday night, someone invited me to uh, film. And I thought, man, a film might be interesting, you know. So I went to church on Sunday night and it was the life of Corey Ten Boone. The lady, um, man, what sacrifices she made. And in the midst of that movie, it was like uh, that still small voice inside the Holy Spirit. He just said, 
uh, is your life going to really count for anything? And I was living my life as a Christian pretty much for myself. And so I went and surrendered to full-time uh, ministry. Um, I called my parents on the phone. They were very supportive. They, but the last thing my mom said, she said, even if God calls you to the deepest, darkest part of Africa, we're behind you 100%. I said, oh, mom, it's nothing like that. It might be being a youth director because they're kind of halfway cool. And I couldn't see myself in the ministry at all. And I, didn't think, I thought they were completely out of touch with reality and what happened in the world. And so little by little, and so God, he took me uh, to work at a camp cleaning toilets that summer. And then from there, someone said, you need to go to a Christian school. I said, those things are too expensive. He goes, well, they give scholarships. So I went by and tried and they made up enough scholarships. My grades didn't make it, but they made God just provided a way. And so I started into a college campus, got involved with college student ministries. And uh, my the director there said, Dwayne, we're going to put you in charge of evangelism. I said, man, I don't know anything about evangelism. What am I supposed to do? And he goes, whatever God tells you to do. And so I said, well, what about, can we, can we go out door to door? And he says, what are you going to do with those that become believers in Jesus Christ? And I said, I don't, you know, uh, I don't know. And he says, wouldn't it be good to involve them in a church? So we're going to have a simultaneous revival in our city. Why don't you go out and talk to pastors and see if they'd be willing to follow up? And I said, man, that's a good idea. So I went and talked to them. And, and so then we started going out, but we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to share. We had never done it before. So I, I just made up some some course names and got some some professors and some pastors and some admin people that were Christians, each one to come on a Tuesday night for two hours and teach us how to share our faith. And all of them, I said, I just made up uh, evangelism in the Old Testament, evangelism in the New Testament, uh, cold turkey evangelism, just any, any name with evangelism on it. And these people, they started coming and we started going out every day. And uh, we, we did the best we can. We had, we didn't have a lot of structure. And the best thing that we, 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 we came across after many months was uh, the Romans Road. And just but getting people to memorize scripture, getting them to learn that, feel comfortable with that. And so we started going out every day and people started. Uh, it took oh, several weeks, you know, but we had people come to faith in Jesus Christ. But when they were doing it off the campus, they started doing it back on the campus with their sweet mates and stuff like that. And so we started seeing people on our campus come to faith in Jesus Christ. I remember there was this young girl and she goes, can I go with you, Dwayne? And I said, sure you can. She goes, but I don't know how to share. And I said, that's okay. We go two by two. And one person shares and the other person prays and you can be the prayer person. So we were going out that day and she, she and her partner, we let them out on one side of the street. We were on the other side of the street, went down, came back and we didn't know where they were, where, what happened to them. And then we waited a while, and then, then they came out of the very first house that they came in. And they came running up. They're both just jumping up and down, and they come back, and, and she goes, Dwayne, why didn't you tell me it was so easy? Why didn't you tell me it was so easy? I said, what do you mean? Tell me about it. And she started sharing her story. And she started saying, you know, it was a couple, and I was there praying silently and just trying to take care of distractions like you told me to, Dwayne. But then the lady says, I have to go cook supper. And so she went into the kitchen and I went in with her and I left my partner in the living room with, with, a, with a husband and they were sharing with him. And I just went in there and was helping her in the kitchen cook supper. 
And she said, well, this year is nice of y'all coming out and sharing with people in their homes and everything. And she goes, how long you been doing this? She goes, this is my first time. And she goes, really? He goes, yeah, last week, someone told me about Jesus. And I just prayed and asked him into my heart. She goes, and the lady goes, well, do you think I could do that too? And the young girl said, yes, absolutely. I think you can do that. Said, this is all I prayed. And she just repeated the prayer, how the person led her. And this lady, she prayed and accepted Jesus. And she says, and then right afterwards, they told me it was important for us to go share with others. So that's why I'm out this week sharing with others. And she says, you should share with someone else too. And she goes, well, let's go right now. I'm going to go share with my husband in the living room. So they go back into the living room. And uh, the husband says, honey, I've got something to tell you. The wife says, well, honey, I've got something to tell you. And they started sharing and one after the other. And they both simultaneously prayed to receive Jesus Christ in different parts of the house. And so um, we just... You know, we we failed forward. We just, you know, just did the best we can. But God, he was leading through his Holy Spirit, uh, driving it. And so we ended up seeing um, about 40 uh, people come to faith in that semester, uh, some on campus and some off of campus. And so then there was opportunities and they said, hey, there's there's summer mission opportunities. And I'm going, well, I don't know anything about that. And they said, it's just doing some of the same thing you did during the semester, Dwayne. Why don't, why don't you go? And so I applied and I thought I was going to go to the other side. I applied for all these places all over the world. And they sent me to Houston, Texas. And I thought, Houston, Texas, that's not missions. But God brought a band of us from all over the United States, uh, young people. And just, you know, sometimes uh, it was playing basketball with gang members on a basketball court. Sometimes it was uh scraping off old uh, moldy cheese and, and giving the good part of it out, distributing it to needy people in the community. It was doing uh, vacation Bible school with no material, but coming up with your own material for all these uh, kids, rough kids in the inner city and doing camp and stuff like that. But in the midst of that summer, I got to see uh, young, uh, young men and women who were gang members who became believers and, and, uh, uh, traded in their uh, switchblades for Bibles. And God just did an incredible work. And so it went from one summer and I went back another summer. And then they said, hey, there's semester mission opportunities up and uh, uh, opportunities for six months. So I applied again to go overseas. And they, they sent me up to uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. And I thought, wow. What am I? What am I going to do up there in Minnesota, Wisconsin? Well, they put me on campuses that had a, a high alcoholic rates, and and they were even open for Christians to come work because alcoholism was just rampant across their campuses and their student body life, and they just wanted something, anything to help out. And so we started up there, and and God, uh, He taught me just to be humble and just to and me with my Texas accent up in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and Winona, Minnesota. And uh, but God used it, started building relationships, and just had small groups. And for that semester, poured my life into eight students on one of the campuses. And uh, God used their lives. And it, I found out that it wasn't good to have money. If I had money, I'd been in a hotel someplace, but I didn't have money. And so they said, well, why don't you spend the night? Why don't, you, why don't we do an evening one? I said, I don't have a place to stay. And they said, well, why don't, they said, if you get a sleeping bag, you can sleep on the floor between our two beds. And I said, uh, is that okay? And they said, yes. I knew if I slept in my car that the 
the school security would would run me off. So they so I slept in one of their rooms on uh, once once a week and. At night, they'd ask me questions. Well, what is it? I said, I don't know. Let's look in the Bible. Let's see what it says, you know? And so we would study the Bible together. And God used that young man that I slept on his floor and become the first leader there. And the next semester, that eight went to 16. And then the semester after that, it went to 30. And after that, it went to 60. And after that, the next semester went to 120. And God just multiplied it every semester, more and more students, them sharing their faith and making an impact. And so God taught me about discipleship in an indirect way and just living life on life with other people. So I came back to school. By then, I was pretty sure God wanted me to do uh, mission work, but didn't know where it was at. Went back. Christy and I, we got married, finished out school, went to seminary, and during that seminary years, uh, started house church uh, ministry out of an urban area and doing uh, house churches and mobile home parks, apartment complexes, and just the same thing. And just anywhere we could find uh, uh, a clubhouse, uh, a living room, anywhere, just sharing Jesus and people coming together and studying his word and then. joining together, living together. And then God uh, opened the opportunity for me to go overseas. And and so um, started in one place, thought I'd be there the rest of my life. And two and a half years later was military evacuated in a barge across the river. And uh, then uh, all over Africa. And then after several years, by the time my son uh, was finishing his high school years. And so we had all our kids out said, God, where is some of the most needy areas in the world? And so he took me to Asia in the midst of where um, uh, there was 345 out of the 639 unengaged, unreached people groups in the world. And uh, he allowed me to uh, work with a team, go after lostness in that part of the world. And just a few years ago, called me back to the United States. I'm still working in missions, but I have one foot overseas and have one foot uh, pastoring a small rural church that is very gracious to allow me uh, 60 to 90 days a year uh, to be on missions overseas and also practice the same thing here in the United States. And so uh, it's just so cool uh, living with Jesus. And uh, so. Uh, this uh, uh, New Year's Day, one of my deacons, he said, hey, I'm, a guy's got a hot water heater that went out. I'm going to be changing it for him. And I know how to, and he knows how to do all of it. I'm just going to be the grunt man, uh, helping him get the hot water heater uh, out of the out of the uh, enclosed part to move it back and forth. And so I go there and he, and the guy's not there. The family's gone, but he has a friend that shows up to feed the, the dog and cat. And I started talking to Sam. And Sam was in the Vietnam War. And uh, he said he'd done a lot of bad things and didn't think he could be forgiven. So had the opportunity to share with Sam. And uh, at 72 years old, Sam prayed and received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. A few weeks later, I had the privilege to baptize him, and and he is just growing. He's had uh, difficulties, uh, some health issues uh, since then. 
and been in in and out of a VA hospital. And he said, you know, before I became a believer, he's telling his wife, Trudy, he says, I didn't have these problems. He says, well, don't you know, Satan's not happy with it. And he wants you back, but he's not getting you back. And so now Sam is so excited. He, he, he doesn't know how a believer can keep the good news to themselves. He says, I've just got to share it with everybody. So everywhere in the hospital, in the VA hospital, at the grocery store, everywhere Sam goes, he's sharing Jesus. And he loves fishing. So we're supposed to go. He's trying to figure out a place we can go fishing and take young boys there as a ministry. Uh, some of these that uh, don't have a dad at home, uh, take them out fishing to share Christ with them. So, yeah, go ahead. It's just, it's not been an either or, it's been a both end. Uh, reaching the people in your own community, but also uh, be willing to go to other places in the world and share Jesus with them too and encourage them to do the same. And so I just believe that, you know, if you're not doing it in your own backyard, why should you travel halfway around the world, teach somebody how to do something you're not doing? And so we have to live it out. We have to remind ourselves. I have to get on myself and say, hey, you know, we, you know, it's, it's, it's not about I remember when. It's, it's time, you know. I don't want to be a I remember when Christian, you know. So, you know, who have I shared Christ with this week? Who have I done this month? You know, and even with the COVID and everything, it's a challenge to me. And then once they become a believer, it's not finished there. You know, how do we disciple them? How do we walk day-to-day life with them? And so I'm I'm getting older, but I'm still learning every day. I'm learning, like from you, just learning about this technology and, and how we can and how. So whatever we have in our hands, how can we leverage that for God's kingdom? whether it's uh, the internet, whether it's going face to face and, you know, even if we have limits with our mask or whatever we have, how can God use us to bridge and use that? So one, um, I'll just mention something else. Just learned recently. I, I, before COVID, I'd never done a conference call. I'd never done where I'd added people in, but uh, I said, well, we, we have where people dial in and go to meet or Zoom or whatever, you know, and they have to have an access code. But some of my older people, they said, we can't do that. We don't know how. That's too hard for us to do. And I said, well, let me just call you. Let me get you on a call. Let's let's not, not do Bible study. Let's do Bible study, but we'll do it on the phone. And so I'll call you. So I thought it was unlimited, but I got to five phone calls. And uh, I tried to add that sixth person. They said, no, you're, you're at your limit, you know. And I said, all right, guys, you st- you 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 do the Bible study here. I've got to go take care of something real quick. So I ran over and got Christy, and I said, Christy, I need you to lead a Bible study. You know, Christy's my wife. And so I said, I, here's another five things, you know. So we broke it up. But what that's helped out is us to have small group. Now, we have, it's online where you multiple people could be in, but you don't get participation. You don't get that one-on-oneness. And so now I've recruited several different people, leaders in our church. And, and before it's like, oh, we already have enough Sunday school classes. But now if you break them out where we have five families on a call, we don't have enough Sunday school classes. We don't have enough small groups. And all those small groups doing them just like we do three thirds, you know, 
And so sometimes they don't participate that much. But I tell you what, when we started, we, we said we teach them and said, hey, ask them about how their life is and have every person tell you how their life is on the call. And then at the end of it, every time we, we pray for one another, what what can we pray for? And they might have been a little bit quiet during the Bible study. We ask them, you know, what do you think about this and stuff? But in that prayer time, everyone is coming out and opening up and revealing themselves. And there's been times, but we've only had one or two. There's one time uh, we, we we have to do them not all on Sunday morning. Sometimes we're doing it on Sunday night for those that work on Sunday morning that work seven days a week and have to work on Sunday morning. So we're having some on Sunday night. And uh, the other time, other evening I had where it was just one couple that that uh, was going through some crisis in their family. And it was just that couple and Christy and I. And we were able to have uh, some real ministry time and talking and counseling and stuff like that. So whether it's two people on that call, one family, or whether it's five people on that call, we're growing in Christ together. And so that's kind of, you know, but I'd never known about how to make conference calls before. And so now we've got multiple small groups, other people that are doing that. And I know even when we open back up as traditional church, there's some people that can't come to church because of health and medical things, even before COVID. So we're going to continue to have Bible study online and have somebody lead those classes for those that cannot enter our door on our premises. Just because you can't come to where we are at, why can't we study God's word together and encourage them? Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to share, Dwayne. I know you wear many, many hats from being a pastor in a rural part of Texas to uh, leading a team that is focusing on the continent of Africa to engaging in the global work of research and and so many more hats (laughs) that uh, in your humbleness are only revealed through time in your stories. So in these many roles, Dwayne, what are you seeing God do in this time of the pandemic? We're trying to accelerate and see the areas and accent the places that we can work. So there's some places overseas that our partners can still do the work. And so we're encouraging them. Sometimes they're doing that work through relief work. So we know we're trying to do it in humble means and in ways that are reproducible that they can do. So we're coming alongside them. So we're not looking at long-term dependency, but we want to do this in a manner and so God is using their giftedness, like one of the areas they did some food distribution, but that food distribution, they did it in uh, refugee camps where they're already dependent and they have. And so for some reason, they were not able to distribute food. So we were able for a short period of time to go in there and just mend the gap there. But that spoke volumes to the people in those camps uh, just that about that loving care. But one of the reasons we were able to do that is because one of the, the pastors that's involved with the ministry and stuff like that, you know, he's double vocational. He he drives a truck. And so he already knew the route. He knew the police officers. He had those relationships and stuff. So I call, I don't call anybody bivocational. They're double vocational. You're not, never half of what God has called you to be. So we've got people that are doing double duty. And all of these people that have skills and trades and stuff, they're able to leverage those for the kingdom right now. And so we, we see those as God's God ordained before time that he he made these avenues and these people are willing to use these avenues um, for the advancement of the kingdom. And so we're doing that. 
we're also all kind of training and stuff like that. So some of our training in some places, people are able to get together in rural areas in Africa together and do training. And uh, even though we're not able to have American trainers, but we're training them. Some of that's online. We're going over the material together uh, again and equipping them. So it, it's kind of pushing them to the front. Some areas. Some, sometimes we might have had a, a, a foreigner there up in front, but now they're having to be up front. And we're saying, all right, don't do it by yourself. We're coaching them. The swarm training. Do it with multiple people. Do it together, you know, and stuff as much as you can. So we're bridging in that area and uh, trying to get them. And then there's stuff that we're doing uh, specifically uh, to reach uh, some hard to reach areas. And so we're doing training with some of our colleagues here in America and then also with our colleagues overseas. We're, we're doing this uh, specifically to reach Muslims, Muslim background believers, uh, training them up and stuff like that. And so that's being accelerated. We're encouraging people to work on language tools. OK, so. Uh, a lot of times we will have it trade language like in English and, and or maybe Spanish, but how do we go further from that? Or in French, how do we get some of we, we've been lacking with some French materials? So we've been trying to focus a little bit on some of those things. At the same time, sometimes our uh, apes, the guys that are apostle, prophets, evangelists that are out there running in the front lines, they don't have time to track the information. So we're, we're challenging people right now to to work on their gen maps. You know, if you can't go out and you can't go train, let's work on those gen maps. Get on the phone, call those people, uh, flesh that gen map out. So the next time you meet, you can have some good conversation. And even with that gen map, where you're asking those questions, you can be coaching those people over the phone to next, you know, where, where are their gaps in their healthy church and how do we get to that? So um, it's kind of like Paul, he was in the prison. And he didn't think about what he could do. He thought about what he could do. And so he said, well, you know, he didn't he didn't have a whining party saying, hey, you know, I'm, so, I'm in here for the gospel. He said, hey, what can I do? And he wrote letters to encourage the body of Christ. And because of that, we have uh, probably two thirds of the New Testament of Paul, his letters to those churches and stuff. And so we could either sit back, cross our arms, say, what can we not do? Or we could say, like Paul said, what can we do during this time? And so uh, letters of encouragement. And we have so many means today, not just a letter, but we have email, WhatsApp. How can we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, to, for the next steps? And then even let's not look at it and say, I can't do. Uh, Paul was there in the prison. And I can imagine. I don't know. But, you know, Paul being an important. Uh, prisoner, he's probably changed to uh, a Roman guard, and he's probably thinking. And I know that was a pain, you know. And you know, every time you eat, you chain or go to the bathroom, you know, that wouldn't have been a pleasant thing, you know, and stuff. But and and probably some of those guys got really mad at those soldiers beside him. But I can imagine Paul singing, praising God in the prison and stuff. But he's thinking, hey, if I win this Roman soldier and he becomes a believer, he he might be deployed in some other part of the world. And if I invest in him, what could he be? He could be that missionary. I'm locked in chains here. But if I invest in him, he could be that missionary. So I think it's that same thing that we have today is saying, if I can't do it, who can I invest in? Who has that freedom to do that right now and be that, uh, you know, the avatar missionary, you know, uh, out there uh, living it for us. And so who can we pour our lives into 
And as much as we can, not saying that we can't do anything, but what can we do and do our part, but also encourage others to do theirs? Very true. So, Dwayne, in one of the hats that you wear, you really look at just globally research towards the vision of seeing every people and every place uh, not only engage with the gospel, but have a multiplying movement of disciples and churches. In this season of this pandemic being global, is that limiting or how do you see that affecting the pursuit of the vision of every people in place? So uh, for us, is you know, you, you have all kind of research that you, you have to do. And so one of the things is just even in this pandemic, we're looking at is several organizations working together and uh, just a coalition of like-minded people that are saying, hey, we're willing uh, to work on tools and stuff that helps us to share our information together. And that's a whole technical group. and They're working on that and stuff. And then just leaders coming together and saying, where are those gaps? How do we get to those gaps? So there's people looking at that as well. And then also, uh, there's so much stuff that's written online. And so this is a perfect time to do online research and trying to get some books and stuff like that, some unpublished material. Sometimes you can go to universities and stuff online, and there's so much more online information. And and so I'm copying, pasting, taking pictures, making maps, whatever I can do. And a lot of times that's in the evening time when you can't go out. You know, you're not visiting someone at 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock at night, so you can work on the computer and uh, and, and crunch numbers and stuff like that. So, um, so we're working on that. At the same time, we're we're crunching numbers, looking at those uh, situations to see where where might it be open. Where where is the the least uh, virus by what's being reported? So we have to take that as a grain of salt and see in that. But where where when we when this thing opens back up, where do we need to be? Where are the hot spots that we need to be? Uh, for the advancement of the gospel. Now, as we look at that, they, it, Americans might not be the one because we might be the hotspot people. But so how do we look at um, uh, cross-pollination between nations? And what can we do to encourage some of the work, uh, our brothers and sisters, and how can we get them networked together? Uh, recently, there was a No Place Left Summit. People from around the world working together. And those are fantastic opportunities to say, how, how can we leverage the, the whole weight of the body of Christ to, to go to these areas? And so, so some of that takes trust and uh, developing relationships. So as we're on the phone or talking and stuff, I've been doing this with other organizations just today. It was just, you know, how do we build that trust? Let's get to know each other and spending time with each other and stuff. And so, uh, most of the time, we're all running, training, working, and stuff like this. So here's a time that we could take a little pause and uh, get to know uh, a brother or sister better together to see how can we partner uh, for these hot spots in these tough areas. And we can also share information. And so that tells us, you know, we might have thought this was the unengaged, unreached people groups. We start talking to somebody. And they said, oh, we got workers over there. Well, okay, maybe we don't need to go there, but how can we help you? How can we facilitate you? Or do you need us to come with a short-term team? Uh, how can we, how can we, uh, the work not be competitive, but complementary uh, to one another? And so by having these conversations, it helps us to, to see where we can work together. And maybe 
sometimes where we don't need to work together. And sometimes that can be a plus as much. Uh, we don't need 10 organizations on one UUPG when there's so many others that don't have anybody working with them. So true. So are there any other stories that you'd like to share of just what you're seeing God do in this season of the quarantine harvest? So some of the things is, is we think about what we can do and what we can't do and stuff like that. And so one of the things that's happening, too, is that I have to brag on my wife a little bit. Is she's got a, a, a card and cookies ministry going right now. And so uh, making a bunch of cookies, a bunch of cards and stuff like that and going around and delivering those door to door to people. And it is amazing uh, what God's doing through that and then how that influences others and how they're taking on that same thing of finding some little thing that they can do and go out to some of these people that will never that are pretty much really quarantined because of health issues or otherwise and being able to go out and minister and uh, to touch their lives. And so, yeah, I just, there's so many things that all, I mean, different people with different skill sets and different talents and stuff are, are using uh, for the kingdom. Uh, we had one lady that showed up at our house at, uh, from a sister church and, and she went out and uh, she knew that some of the businesses were hurt, hurting. And so she just went out and bought uh, a bunch of pieces of pie. And uh, she was d- delivering to other people, uh, some needy people in our communities. And I like that. And she was driving by our place and she thought about us and so and, and helped out there. And, and I say a sister church is a church that, uh, that you know, we do, we do projects together. A lot of times we'll have vacation Bible school. And we'll have four or five churches all coming together working together on a common thing. And so I see during this COVID, the same thing happening, us seeing how can we work together as the body of Christ, not just in one church, you know, and and when um, spiritual revival uh, hits, it's going to be like a, a boat in the bay. All the boats rise at the same time, not one boat on top of the other. But as God's spirit works, we're going to see a movement among all the churches and all God's kingdom working at the same time. So we're having, you know, more people uh, call, you know, ministers call from one another saying, hey, what are you doing? How can we do? You know, do you have somebody there? So and we're having that uh, WhatsApp. We have some really good WhatsApp groups for our ministry overseas. And people were on there always encouraging, putting on a picture. Here's someone Baptist. Here's someone who came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then that synergy that builds from that and just a reminder of what we need to do. And so those WhatsApp groups are just like going crazy right now. And uh, but a good crazy. And we're seeing, I mean, just almost uh, every week we're seeing people come to faith, baptism and stuff like that. And that's just spurring each of us on to, to good works in Jesus Christ. And, and then there's sometimes people are, are mentioning heartaches on there, but people are coming alongside of them and, and praying for them and encouraging them and just knowing that they're not out there alone and going it alone during this time. So uh, there's all uh, the prayer teams are coming on. I mean, praying and meeting together and undergirding the work. And so we have, you know, just all the different aspects of the work, uh, we have people working on uh, mobilization and, and working with churches and encouraging them and talking, you know, next step, you know, well, yeah, we're in the middle of this. We have uh, some uh, virtual trips that people are doing and they're training and training on this side of the ocean. And they're uh, going to be training at the other side and sharing information at the same time. 
with one another. So they couldn't go on a trip, but they're they're learning from what they're doing. And the people that are learning the same tools here in the United States that they would be learning to go on a trip are going to be having like a barbecue uh, in their community for a few of their neighbors that they're sharing Christ with. So trying to do it on both sides of the ocean at the same time. So that's just a little bit of a, all that. I mean, there's just so much that God's doing right now. And if we just look to him and, and trust him in the process. So those are, and I'm sure that uh, after this, we're going to have even more stories to share. Amen. So Dwayne, as we close out, a question I'd like to ask you is, you know, we're running hard in this time of this pandemic and there's many people who have been pursuing the vision of every people and every place to see multiplying disciples and churches, you know, long before this pandemic. And there's even more that are jumping in the vision and, you know, jumping into action during this time of quarantine or seeing God move and work. When we think of the long run of the days ahead of us, even after this crisis time, what has encouraged and fueled you, Dwayne, uh, to keep going in as you've been overseas for decades at a time and ministry here back in the States before and after that season overseas, uh, what really helps just keep your heart tender to every time someone comes to the Lord and keeps you sustaining in the perseverance of humility and joy as you, you lead in so many capacities? Well, I think that's it. I think it's being in touch with reality and specifically with a loss. And when you have somebody that you, you know, that we're seeing other people lead to Christ, right? But when you have somebody uh, that comes to faith in Jesus Christ and, and you go and, you know, we were just going to go baptize one of these guys, you know, recently. And, and he reaches over and he grabs the two men on both sides that was going to be there doing a part of the baptistry. And he goes, man, I need your help. He says, I, I need to know how to pray. He says, I don't know how to pray. And he says, I, I want to know how to pray for my food, but I also want to know how to pray for my friends. And I want to know how to pray for my for my lost family members. I said, Can, I need your help. Can you help me? Well, see, we just assume that everybody knows how to pray. We don't know. We forget what it's like to be lost. And as we... uh are engaged in lostness on a regular basis and the power of Jesus to transform lives. It just fuels us on more because we realize that there's nothing we're doing. God's doing it. And he's teaching us through um, the words of babes that are out there. And so even though it can get, you know, tiresome and stuff like that, when we see a changed life and we see what God's doing, you know, and so I just, you know, if you're going through a dry season right now, I just encourage you, man, just keep on sharing, keep on sharing. I remember uh, when I first was out there and I shared earlier about that, you know, it was six months going every week out to share before I saw one person come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I remember I was praying in the car before we went up to the house and, I, you know, God just, you know, you know, we've been sharing. We desire our desires, your desire from the coming. Just give us the words to say. Give us your wisdom and stuff like that. And so I went up there and the older man and, uh, you know, we asked a question. He goes, well, uh, you know, he mentioned he goes to church, you know, and it was just right in the middle of that that God gave me a question. He says, well, when you 
since you've been going to church, did anybody ever share with you that you need to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus, to have eternal life in him? And he goes, no. He'd been going to church. And if I'd have stopped on that question, that, that would have been it. So I went through the Romans road thinking that at the end of it, the guy, he's going to say, oh, yeah, I've already made that decision. And I said, have, have you ever done that? He goes, no. And I said, would you want to do that right now? And he goes, yes. And, and I remember he had a big old chaw tobacco in his mouth. And, and he's just looking over at me, grinning and saying, yes, I'd like to do that right now. And I, I mean, I'm just sitting there dumbfounded. You know, what do I do next? Now, you know, I mean, he did say he wanted to accept Jesus. And now what? You know, because it had been so long of, of training and not having that experience and just leading him in a simple prayer. And the guy just, you know, grinning and smiling. And, you know, and it's so amazing that I, I can tell you how many times it, it doesn't matter where I've been in the world. Uh, men and women, boys and girls, when they come to know Jesus Christ, one of the first things they do is reach over and they hug you and they say, thank you. Thank you. And I'm saying, no, no, I didn't do anything. It was Jesus. He He's the one that did it all. I just get to be in the party because I'm his messenger. boy. And uh, I think that's what uh, keeps keeps us going. And so don't don't get so uh, tied up in all the admin and stuff like that, that you're not out there sharing your faith and getting to be a part. And it doesn't mean that we have to be the evangelist. We, we need to be equipping other people to do the same, but we need to be a part of that party and that celebrating uh, and new lives. And, and we need to celebrate even if our brother or sister that we're going out and training with, and they lead somebody to Christ. That's exciting. Boy, that, that makes you want to jump backwards, do backflips, you know? And so, um, being actively involved in his work. And I know there's admin. I know there's all kind of stuff that we can get involved with, but do not ever neglect uh, the main thing. And that's the reason we're left here. Uh, we can do all kinds of other things. We can worship. We can praise. We're going to be doing that for eternity and heavenity, but there's going to be one thing we're not going to be able to do, and that's to share with the lost because there won't be any loss there. So let's be about his business. And, uh, on task with him. And I, if we do that, all that joy and that energy, that will, uh, that will fuel us to do even more for his kingdom. Thank you for listening. Resources can be found at www.live1002.com. Join us as we live Luke 10 verse 2 until there is no place left. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to rate it, leave a comment, subscribe, and share with a friend. Who is one person that you can share the good news of Jesus with this week? 